Well, good morning. If you would go ahead and turn to Psalm 120. It's hard for us to imagine a time when you didn't have a radio in the car to hear music, right? Anybody here ever had maybe a vehicle though that did not have a radio in it and you had to kind of suffer through that, if you will? It's a small thing. You had to suffer through not having any music to listen to. <clears throat> well, for us, we want to be able to hear music. We want to be able to have control over the songs that we're singing. For me, I know that when I moved to California about seven years ago, I, uh, I made a playlist of the songs that just felt appropriate for me as I'm going to California. And one of them was actually um, a song from back in the 70s called Going, going to California. I talk about going to California with an Aiken in my heart. I don't know if any of you know it, but that was one of those songs that I would, I would listen to every day because California was a three and a half day drive. If you just like put the pedal to the metal and went, I didn't speed, but put the pedal to the metal and went. I had to have this playlist, these songs that I was going to listen to that, that defined the journey that I was on. We're going to see in the Psalms of Ascent these songs, these psalms that define a journey. The Psalms of Ascent, and this is 120, Psalms 120 through 134, they're the largest cohesive grouping of the psalms. There are some psalms where maybe a pair of psalms go together. Um, they maybe are thematically grouped. But here is the one group. There's 15 of them put together. And if you look in the little, um, probably in italics right above, the chapter markers, it says a song of ascents, a songs of going up. So we're going to see what is the journey, what is this ascension, this going up that is spoken of here. We're going to read one chapter at a time because this is just a longer section and move through um, these psalms. The reason that I'm doing this is, said, is because instead of picking just one psalm, the psalms of ascents, there's 15 of them, and there are different perspectives on this. From all the studying that I've done, what I've come to the conclusion of is that uh, these psalms are set in five groups of three psalms. So you have three psalms that all go together, and then you have three more psalms, the next ones that go together and go together, and there's five sets of those three psalms. So we're going to be doing the very first one. And so this is Psalm 120 is where it starts. If you would follow along, let's read it. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me, Lord, rescue me from lying lips and a deceitful tongue. What will he give you and what will he do to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with burning charcoal. What misery that I have, that I have stayed in Meshech, that I have lived among the tents of Kedar. I have dwelt too long with those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, for so many of us, this is where we find ourselves in distress. We find ourselves as those who are not at home in the places that we, uh, in this world that we live in. So Lord, help us understand the journey that you have put us on as followers of Jesus. Help us to um, be trusting you in that journey as we move on towards what you've made for us in eternity. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Our main idea as we walk through these three psalms is this. In our distress, 
God defends and delivers. I'm going to say it again if you want to write it down. In our distress, God defends and he delivers. Starting out here in, in Psalm 120, we find a place of distress, right? The psalmist says, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. We all know this feeling of being in a place where you are distressed, when you don't know how you can go on, you don't know how you can move forward. Where the world, the world around you is crumbling, it's falling apart, it feels insane. That is what's happening here for the writer of the psalm. They're surrounded by these people who are lying constantly, most likely lying about them. Rescue me, Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. And then he says something interesting here. He says, what will he give you and what will he do to you? you deceitful tongue, a warrior's sharp arrows with burning charcoal. He's saying this, you lying tongue, he is going to pierce you through with an arrow. If you imagine that for a second, that's an amazing thought for a tongue to be pierced through with an arrow. He goes on to say, he's going to burn you with charcoal, a hot piece of coal, burning this tongue so it can no longer do this thing that has been said. It's not going to lie anymore. He goes on to talk about these two places, Meshech and Kedar. These two locations where, um, that are far away from Israel, far away from the homeland of the one who is riding. They're very far away also from each other, by hundreds of miles. So it's likely that he is not in these two places that are hundreds, hundreds of miles apart at the same time. But he's trying to get across this idea that I am not at home in the place that I'm in. This is not where I live. This is not where I want to be. I've dwelt too long among those who hate peace, he says. I'm for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Not only are these people that he is surrounded by not his people, they don't have the same morals that he does, they don't have the same ideals that he does, they are contrary to him in every single way. The writer of 120 is in distress because he is an alien in this world. And not alien like E.T., right? Um, or, or Mort from Mork and Mindy, right? He's an alien as in he's not a citizen of the country that he is in. For him, this might be very literal. But for us as Christians, we know that we are citizens here of America. But we're not citizens of this world. This is not our home. This is not our final destination. We should be able to feel this as we look around this world. And maybe you do feel it every single day when you turn on the television, you turn on the news. And you look around and you see, man, even the people that I am closest to in the world, they're just so different from where I am, from the morals I have, from the perspective on God that I have. We're so utterly different. And this is good. This is how things should be. For so many of us, we don't look around. And there's so many people who call themselves Christians and are in church every Sunday. But then they look around at the world, they look around and they say, yeah, everything looks good. And it's like burning down around them. They're like, yeah, things are good. We're, everything's good here. This isn't how it should be. Because 1 John 2, 15 through 17 says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride in one's possessions, is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world with all its lust is passing away, 
but the one who does the will of God remains forever. Maybe for you, you've traveled to another country. You've been over to the UK. Maybe you've gone down to Cancun. Maybe um, you've even gone to Canada, maybe, which is kind of similar to the US, but still kind of different. You've gone to any of these places, and you feel so incredibly out of place because they use, use weird units of measure, like kilometer, right? You ever had to do that? And you're like doing some math and figuring out, like, how far is this city away? Um, or they use different terms for something. Like, let's watch it on the telly. And you're like, the what? Or the tube. And it's like, they mean the television, right? If you've ever been to another country, you feel so incredibly out of place. Even though the people maybe look like you, um, they don't maybe talk like you. They, they just seem so incredibly different. And what you want more than anything, maybe you enjoy going and, and, and living abroad, but if all of us are honest whenever we go far away, even if it's not abroad, but it's like getting out of the South, because we have our own special culture here, right, in the South. And you go up North, and people pronounce where you're from Appalachian instead of Appalachian, um, which is really frustrating, or, or whatever it is, <clears throat> you enjoy it, but at a certain point, you want to get back. That's what the writer of this psalm is saying. I want to get back home. This is not my place. These are not my people. And it would worry us if the psalmist has this, is so different from these people, but looks around and says, no, this is fine. We should be as this psalmist is, desiring our true homeland, desiring to go back to where it is that we are from. Here's the thing. This world is our home unless we're followers of Jesus. This world is where we would want to be unless God has given us a new heart and a new spirit. But whenever God gives us that new heart and new spirit, he makes us a citizen, not here, but of of heaven. And it makes us desire to be there instead of here. And so the psalmist realizing this now goes on this journey. And I'll say this. The Psalms of Ascent... Psalms 120 through 134 are not all written by the same psalmist, but they're compiled and put together with the purpose of giving this idea of a journey. Some people, in my personal opinion, um, is with this, that this is looking backwards to the people who were in Babylon and Assyria who were coming back from the captivity and going back to Jerusalem. They're going back up to reestablish and rebuild the temple, to rebuild the walls, to create this culture again that was destroyed. And so, as we consider that, it makes sense that someone who is a captive in Babylon would be able to say something like this. I'm in distress because the people who I'm around are so different. They are so against you, God. So now we're going to start this journey upward into 121. 121 says this, I lift my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. The Lord protects you. The Lord is the shelter right by your side. The sun sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. The The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and going both now and forevermore. 
as this journey begins, the psalmist looks up to the mountains. And for us, we think of the mountains uh, because we have cars to get up them, um, because life is just easier now. We look at them and we say, oh, the mountains, how pretty are they, right? But for them at that time, mountains, maybe they're pretty from far off, but once you get on them, they're dangerous, they're treacherous. And if you've ever been out west to maybe some mountains that are more rocky, um, they, they certainly are more treacherous. Here we have these gentle rolling mountains, right? But if you've ever been out west, they have these things called the Rocky Mountains, and they're called the Rocky Mountains. Why? Because they're rocky. <clears throat> and there's boulders, and there's stones, and instead of having a nice little, you know, path that's well-worn um, and grass and stuff like that, you get up high enough, and it's rocky. It's easy for you to have rocks shift underneath your feet and to stumble, and that's everywhere. They looked up to the mountains, and they saw something that was maybe pretty from a distance, but up close, it was treacherous. In the mountains, behind big boulders, was where these robbers would hide, in these little alcoves where they could jump out and ambush a party of people going up to Jerusalem. There was much for them to be concerned about. So for a lot of us who think about, I lift my eyes towards the mountains, where will my help come from? Some of us think about that and the phrasing of it to think, well, my, my help's coming from the mountains. What I believe is happening here is that the writer of the Psalms is looking up towards the mountains and saying, such a close to the mountains. Where's my help going to come from as we go up here? That's the question. Where will my help come from? But then the writer says this, he will not allow your foot to slip. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't go to sleep if you're having to travel at night. The protector of Israel doesn't slumber or sleep, but he protects you. He's a shelter on your right hand. Your right hand is the place where you're unprotected. If you go into battle and you're right-handed, you're carrying a shield in your left hand, and you're carrying what in your right hand? Sword. You're not protected there, right? It's a means of offense. You need something on this right hand to protect you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side, or literally on your right side for your right hand. The sun won't strike you by day or the moon by night. This is a very practical thing. He's saying the God, like Cassie showed us with the umbrella, actually is a shade or a shelter to us. Traveling long distances, you had to worry about things like the sun beating down on you constantly. You had to worry about getting heat stroke. But it says God will protect us. He actually says that he will protect us from all harm. What kind of harm, church? All harm. And finally, he will protect your life. When we are going up to the mountains, when we are going to where God has called us to, and for all of us who are now pilgrims, not like Thanksgiving pilgrims, right? They were called pilgrims because they were going somewhere, and they, they made it here, right? But we are pilgrims on our way to God's presence, on our way to heaven, the new heavens and the new earth, one day. We are all pilgrims, and for us, as we look up to where we are going, we know that the way between here and there is incredibly treacherous. But God will protect us from all harm. It is all in his hands. Question for you, though, is this. Do you see God as your shield and your shelter? As you're going on this journey, first of all, do you recognize that you're on a journey? Do you understand that you have this place to go? Do you recognize that this is not your home? And then if you're on that way, are you aiming to make God your shield? Are you trying to go on this journey and do everything that you can in your own power 
for so many of us, we try to live this life in our own power. We don't seek God's help. What happens is that when we don't look to God, what we're saying is that we trust ourselves more than we trust Him. We're saying my hope, my reliance, my shield is me. My own ability to think through a situation, my own ability to plan ahead, my own ability to save my own money, my own ability to keep myself healthy. Whatever it is that you're trying to do. That's what happens when we say that we trust ourselves more than we trust Him. But that's not what following Jesus is. That's not what trusting in God is. That's saying, I want to make myself feel better by claiming Christianity, but then I'm putting all of my hope and all of my trust in me. That is not the Christian life. So we see in 120 that in our distress, we call to the Lord. And 121, chapter 121, we see that God is a defense. As we are going up, as we're going on this journey, God is a defense for us. And finally, in 122, we're going to see that God delivers us to our destination. 122 says this, I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet were standing within your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city should be, solidly united, where the tribes, the Lord's tribes go up to give thanks to the name of the Lord. This is an ordinance for Israel. There, thrones for judgment are placed, thrones of the house of David. Pray for the well-being of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls, security within your fortresses. Because of my brothers and friends, I will say, may peace be in you because of the house of the Lord our God. I will pursue your prosperity. The idea of God being a deliverer, I know for me at least, it's one of those words that I hear so often that it kind of loses uh, its punch, that he is a deliverer, right? We just hear it so often in songs um, and little quips people have where God is going to deliver us. And so I kind of had to think about what does it actually mean to deliver something this week? And luckily, um, as I'm waiting, I'm thinking about the fact that also my package from Amazon didn't arrive. And I had some stuff that I'd ordered. And um, where normally you get Amazon Prime, right? Which Amazon Prime has made us super impatient, right? Because once upon a time, you ordered something and you, may, you didn't know when it was going to show up, right? It might show up like in a week. It might show up in two weeks. You kind of just didn't know. And you didn't have the ability to go on and look up this tracking number and see what city it's in. You guys remember that, right? Yeah. And then it was kind of a surprise when two weeks later, your new Crock-Pot showed up or whatever it is um, that you ordered. We're all Baptist fast and we ordered a Crock-Pot. So whatever it is shows up and you're like, yes, I'm pumped about this. Okay. So now we have Amazon Prime and you pay this money and then how long are you going to get your package and how many days? Two days, right? And Amazon has never failed me for Amazon Prime getting it in two days until two weeks ago or so. When I ordered something, and I said your package will be delivered on Monday, September 24th, which is tomorrow. But I ordered it two weeks ago. You know why I did that? Hurricane Florence, messing everything up, right? And so people are like losing houses, and I'm over here concerned about my Amazon package not showing up on time. <coughs> and for me, I look though, and I see, and if, I, if it's something I really want with expectation, longing with excitement I go and I click on even though I know it's going to show up in how many days two days I always know it's going to show up in two days except for that one time recently 
But even so, I get on every morning as part of my morning routine, and I check my orders, and I go and I see, is it going to be delivered? Is it going to make it here? Is this thing that I'm, this book that I'm pumped about going to show up in time? Is it going to be beat up and banged up? Um, how will it be delivered? The idea of delivering is to take something and to get it and take it on its journey and bring it to its destination in a way that's safe. To get it there safely. To get it there complete. Not broken, if you bought, <coughs> bought the crock pot, right? You don't want a broken, a broken crock pot. God delivers his people to his place. There's a lot more happening in this psalm as an individual psalm that we could go into and do an entire sermon on. We're not going to get into that today, okay? But what we know is this, as we follow this progression, this three-psalm progression from distress to defense to deliverance, we see that the psalmist ends up in Jerusalem, ends up in the place that they are going. God delivered his people to his city, this place that is secure. Verse 3 says it like this, solidly united. Verse 8 says, may those who love you be secure. May they be peace within your walls. They've made it. The writer has gone on this journey. They've climbed up the mountain, and God has been a shield for them. God has been a shade for them. He's protected them from all the dangers of travel. And they arrive. They come to this place, Jerusalem, which literally means city of peace. That is what Salem is, is peace. Jerusalem, city of peace. And they show up here in this city of peace. No longer distressed, but the opposite of distress. They've been delivered to a safe place. This is the place where the stones don't slip out from under our feet anymore, but instead those stones, like verse 3 says, are solidly united, or some translations say, are, are fit together tightly. Here is peace, security, and here, most importantly, is God's presence. One day, for all of us who follow Jesus, we'll be delivered to his city. Not physical Jerusalem here on this earth, but the new heavens, the new earth, the new Jerusalem. One day, we will all be there in his presence to dwell forever. And the only way that we're going to get there is because God is faithful to defend and deliver us. The question for us this morning, as we consider all of that, is this. Where exactly are you in this journey? Are you one who's sitting here today, and as you look around in this world, you're content to be living amongst those who are in rebellion against God, who hate peace and love war? Maybe for you, from a human perspective, you say, I don't hate peace and love war. Like, you know, I hate war. I wish war would end. He's talking to you about being in rebellion against God. Maybe another way of saying it is you just love your sin. You love your rebellion against God. Or you look around and see no issue with rebellion against God. Maybe that's you and you've not even started this journey. I hope you'll consider that. And if that's you, I'm going to come back to you in a moment. But maybe you're on this journey and you're on the way. You've looked around and you said, this world is not my home. I don't want to be here anymore. I want to be in the presence of God. Maybe you've just started. Maybe you're at the foot of the mountain looking up and you see the hard times that are coming as a follower of Jesus. The question for you is this. If so, what is the song that you're singing? Remember, the psalms literally mean songs. Once upon a time, these were actually sung. But what is the song that you're singing? Figuratively, first of all, let's start there. 
figuratively, what is the song that you're singing? What's the song of your heart? What is your attitude? Where is your trust? Is it in you or is it in God? If it's in you, first of all, two things are happening. You're putting it in a place that's not going to last. Okay? You are going to fail yourself. That is undeniable. But on top of that, you are not glorifying God. You're stealing glory from God by trusting in yourself and not him. Where is your trust? And then secondly, literally, what are you singing? Are you singing songs of your distress, of your trust, of your deliverance? Here's what Paul says. He says that we should be speaking to each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We should be speaking to each other, singing to each other in these ways, right? We should all be a little bit more, I'm going to call him out this morning because it's a good thing, be a little bit more like Doug and singing to each other, right? You can hear that man coming down the hall, right, singing a song about how good God has been to us. Paul says that's how you should be living life, singing and speaking to each other, giving thanks to God always. So the question is this, do you sing in times of distress? defense, deliverance, whatever it is. Because that's what these psalms are made for. What's interesting is that we so often, we just read these, right? How often have you, has anybody here ever, ever actually like sung a psalm? Do you do it very often? Here's the thing, I'm, I'm just kind of put it out there. That's kind of lame because God made these as songs and we just sit here and we read them and we say, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord, right? That would be like us getting up and reading whatever your favorite song is, right? You're like, come together right now over me. Boom, boom, <laughs> whatever it is, right? That's not how you do that song justice, is it? Is that how you do that song justice? No, absolutely not. For us, so often we just read these and we forget what they were made for. We, we forget that God has made us and we're different than all of creation, right? What's special about humanity? We're made in the image of God. We reflect him and his creativity. We do something musically, or we do something in music that no other created uh, being on this earth does other than humans. We sing. And God has given us that to glorify him. And so often we don't believe Paul or take him seriously when he says to speak to each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So for you, I'd encourage you, sing in your distress. Sing as you wait for God to defend you and to deliver you to where you are going. And quite literally, sing these psalms. Go on YouTube, go on iTunes and find someone who has written these psalms and put them to music and actually sing them like God intended. Go find Shane and Shane's albums in the psalms, which are really good. Um, go, you, I mean, you can just start there and just go and look up psalm, whatever it is that you're reading on iTunes or YouTube, and I promise you will find someone who's put it to music. And listen to that and make it the song of your heart that comes to mind whenever you look up at the mountain, whatever the mountain in your life is, and you say, how will I get through this? Where does my help come from? And all of a sudden, the melody comes into your mind, and you start saying, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And however it is, whatever the melody is, you start singing it. What all of this comes down to, though, is this. What is your attitude towards God? Is it trust, or is it something else? Life 
is a long journey to make without trusting God. It is a long journey to be on without the hope of his defense and deliverance. But if that's not you, if going back to you, you're the first one, you're the one who's sitting there, and you're among those people, and you look around in the world and you say, everything's fine, everything's good. You're satisfied with this world. My encouragement to you is to believe in Jesus, to look around and trust what you hear. That's the Holy Spirit in you, trying to cause you to understand, creating discontent in you, as you look around and say, something is not right with this world. This is not what it was supposed to be. Believe what the Holy Spirit is doing in you. And understand this is not how it's supposed to be. Something is supposed to be better. We're supposed to be in the presence of God. And then do what it takes to be in the presence of God, which is one thing and one thing only. Turning to God by faith in Jesus. Believing in Him. And understand this, believing in Him is so much more than believing simply that He exists. We all have heard this a thousand times. The Bible says that even the demons believe in him and they shudder at the thought of it. That he is there because he will judge them one day. Believing is more than just saying, yeah, I think he exists. But it's putting your trust fully in him and your distress at saying that I know that he will defend me and deliver me. Believing in him is saying that I know that I cannot do this on my own. I can't make the journey on my own. I can't even start the journey on my own. But I need him to save me. That's why Christ came. He didn't come to this world to be a good moral teacher. He came to show that he truly was God. He came to die for your sins and for mine. He came to call you out of this place, the place described in Psalm 120, to call you to life, to call you to start the journey that ends finally and fully in his presence in the new Jerusalem in his presence, in the new heavens, and new earth. How will the songs that you sing and the attitudes that you have through this life define the journey that you're on? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, first of all, that you've given us songs to sing. Lord, we thank you've given us um, 150 psalms that speak to every condition of the human heart. From joy to grief to distress to trust. Lord, we ask you would be helping us as we've thought through these psalms over the past couple months to be looking at ways that these apply to our lives. To be looking at ways to be trusting in you and singing to you uh, from these psalms. Lord, help us to find that. And Lord, specifically from our psalms today, help us as we journey along this world, waiting to get to your presence at the end of this life. Would you be our deliverance? Would you be our defense and our distress? Would you be our help as we look up to the top of the mountain and say, how will I ever get there? Would you be the one to bring us to that place? Not in our power, but in yours. And Lord, for the person who hasn't started that journey yet, who's at the bottom, who dwells among people who love and live in rebellion against God, would you create in them a new heart, a new spirit? you give them a desire to no longer live there, to be following Jesus to the top of that mountain, to the presence of the Father. That's in Christ's name. Amen.